You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. Um, Our theme music is a clip of Summer Nights by the Eric Jones Trio. It's provided by our friend Mark Chesanow, who plays with the Eric Jones Trio every Thursday and Sunday at Good Times Jazz Bar downtown. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Arts on the Air. This is Tamara Garvey, and I have the pleasure of sitting down with local artist Farron Riley. Welcome, Farron. Hello. So glad to have you. We're sitting in your lovely Silver Studio. Studio? Yep. Yep. (laughs) Um, I want to read a few words from, this is cute, your little description on your Instagram says, geology enthusiast, fine jewelry connoisseur, and aspiring surfer. Yep. (laughs) I love this, like, the three different pillars. Um, And then I want to read just a little bit from your bio on your website so people know a bit about your work. Um, You describe your work as having as an illustrative style combining intricate detail with loose swashes of ink. And then in your latest body of work, you're delving into your subconscious to create images through a meditative drawing practice. Mm. Okay. That might be slightly out of date. Okay. But, <laughs> <laughs> but actually, no, not really. I, I do a lot of um, almost like abstract imagery underneath my paintings, which have moments of realism and surrealism in them. Um, So I kind of start with an abstract image. Um, I do sort of like a really loose landscapey wash of ink. Um, And then I just kind of play around with like how the the ink settles on the canvas like while it's wet. And then Mm -hmm. like once it dries, there will be these curves that I didn't really, you know, it's like not really planned out. Yeah. Um, and then once I get those washes down, that's when I start to, I liken it to carving almost. It's like, it's almost like the image is already there and I'm like pulling it out. Yeah. Um, like delineating it. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, I do a lot of, um, kind of like light touching things and so um a lot of things are backlit and so I'm just like bringing the light up and and essentially carving the the image out of these kind of like washy things yeah it is really interesting because a lot of like the process you describe is a lot like when people do drawings of charcoal where it's Uh like you may put down a really dark wash and then you use the kneaded erasers and things to like pull some up so you're kind of doing that with inks Yeah. yeah yeah And I, I work with um, with ink, with uh, Sumi ink, black ink, and I water it down a lot. Um, I mix in some other colors, um, and then I a lot of times use acrylic paint on top of the ink. And then on top of that, um, I use colored pencil. And okay. that's where I really get a lot of the like really luminous... Um, kind of nice textures yeah because you could do white colored pencil yeah and like white ink just isn't gonna I know from experience too it just doesn't actually come out white exactly yeah um yeah and I save my my pencil nibs um like they get totally Uh. (laughs) like worn all the way down and the things that are the most worn down are the the whites and the light grays yeah yeah you need those little pops for the moonlight Yeah. (laughs) yeah Um, well, this is beautiful. So we'll, we'll definitely, we'll talk about more specific about this. I'm going to kind of go like, I'm going to go in order kind of through your life and then we sort of arrive at like how you got to this current stage. Mm-hmm. But, um, so it's interesting. You are from Savannah. I am. And went to Savannah Arts I, Academy. Is yeah. That? Okay. Yeah. SAA Savannah Arts Academy. Um, I graduated from there in 2004. Um, I was one of the first graduating classes, like the first classes to go all four years through that high school. it was a new school then? It was very new. Uh. Um, It was uh, was a very small school, and I think that the, it's still pretty small. Um, It's really hard to get into now. Um, I would say it's probably a little bit easier to get into when I went there. Um, but, uh, it's, it's become this like crazy thing that's like in the news all the time. The kids are incredible and doing amazing things. Um, but Emily Earl, mm-hmm. um, the executive director of Arts Southeast and, uh, Sulphur Studios, uh, we went to school together. Oh. Yeah. I yeah. love that. And we grew up down the street class. from each other too. Wow. Yeah. Did you, so as a, were you like, even as a little child, were you already thinking you were going into arts? 
Um, my parents are both super creative, um, and that was kind of just, I mean, we didn't even really talk about, like, me being an artist, like, as a career. It was just sort of like, that is what you were going to do. It wasn't like, yeah. there's, you know. That's I mean, so interesting. That's very unique. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all, all I ever wanted to do was just, like, sit down and draw, um, and make things, and, um be outside and looking at nature and just like drawing things yeah. that I would see and experiences that I would have and like I made a lot of little stories and um did some writing and um yeah you were documenting yeah yeah so your experience at Savannah Arts was it a lot of um them teaching you like a wide variety of techniques and materials and things or is it them sort of letting you just delve into what you want so surprisingly (laughs) um I went to arts academy um I I started like when I was in middle school getting into like community theater Mm. um and I actually like went to arts academy for theater um but I ended up doing lots of like set painting and set design stuff um and I did a little bit of the visual arts stuff but that was not my main focus while I was there um but that sort of like got me into doing uh sculpture and like thinking about spaces and so then when I went to college that was like what became my art practice was this like bigger thing and I think it actually really had a lot to do with um doing the like like scenes and stuff for yeah. plays when I was in high school that's so interesting so it's kind of by the time you were ending high school you were not so much thinking about theater anymore but more thinking about fine arts and then you went off to a fine arts college yes yeah yeah and you went to Boston for that I did I went to uh, another really tiny school <laughs> um, called the School of the Museum of Fine Arts um, which is now uh, part of Tufts University. Okay. Um, so I went there and I studied at Tufts, um, and at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. Um, and it was a really, like, a really intense school. It's very different from a lot of other, like, traditional universities or even art schools. Um, there's no grading. It's a studio school, and at the end of every semester, it's basically like pass or fail. Okay. Um, so you take every all the work that you did during the semester, you put it up, and you get what's called a review board. And you get two professors and two students, and they basically like decide whether or not you're going to pass or fail. Do that, people ever fail? Oh, a lot, wow. actually. Yeah. Um, and I like came close to it a couple of times and had like serious like mental breakdowns. Um, so it's not even just a matter of that you've like put in a lot of effort and a lot of work and have generated a lot of work. Like they're really, yeah, you have to be able to, to defend your, your ideas. Um, and I always was pretty prolific. I I made a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but the criticism is intense and, um, if, you know, really like, I mean, art is so subjective, right? Um, it really would depend on like who your professors were and who your students were yeah. and were judging you essentially. Yeah. So you had to be, there was some, you know, you did sort of get to choose, but it wasn't like you got to choose. Um, it was basically like they would have these people, you know, blocked off and you would choose from whatever was available. Oh, interesting. Um, so I would hope that I would get, you know, a painting teacher and I would hope that I would get a sculpture teacher together. Um, but sometimes you'd be stuck with like someone who does film and someone who does watercolors or computer animation. Yeah. And then it's like, those people are deciding whether or not you pass or your paintings are successful. Yeah. 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 Um, did you have a lot of kind of like emotional ups and downs and like mental breakdowns during this college yeah I had um I had one uh sculpture teacher who was actually really excited to have her on my review board um tell me that uh my artwork was a bit of a one-liner I'm using air quotes um and that 
I mean, to me, looking back on that now, I'm like, she meant that as a diss, and I took it as a diss in the moment, but now I think it's really funny, and, like, when I was a little kid, I really wanted to be a cartoonist for The New Yorker. That was, like, one of my my art dreams, Um, so to be a one-liner is actually, like, that's pretty perfect. Right, like, you make your point, (laughs) that's it, and it's clear. Yeah. Interesting. Um, But I I was doing some, like, performance art and installation and stuff, and... Um, I, my artwork, I think always has a lot of humor in it, even though it can be kind of dark and like very subtle. Um, there's creatures hiding in stuff and it's, um, I mean, it's very different from what I was making when I was in college, but, um, where is I going with that? (laughs) You said for a while you were saying that you were doing um, some installations and it sounds like it was very conceptual. A lot of it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had, uh, I made like a, a diner, um, in my studio that was like a 24 hour operating diner. Um, and I got my studio mates to like all take shifts in it. Um, and everything was made out of cardboard and like, uh, just, you know, kind of like touching on like what you think nostalgia is, but it's like not actually like made to look exactly like a Wurlitzer jukebox, but it's sort of like a suggestion of that. And um, we made pie and coffee and served it 24 It sounds really fun. It, it sounds like really a really fun, fun program yeah, to be in where yeah. you're just really playing and it's wild and it's not very career based yeah and just like playing in art I mean the great thing about that school is that they they throw you right into experimenting with all the different materials rather than taking two years of like drawing one drawing two and like you have a major that you pick and you have to stick to that um this is like oh you want to do woodworking and you want to do welding and you want to do like oil painting like yeah here you go so your degree at the end is it just like called fine arts or it's just, just like a bfa when okay. you graduate yeah were you looking at um like marina Ab- abramovic i'm trying to remember date wise yeah she... Ab- abramovic yeah yeah um she so i started to hear about her more like after i moved away from boston um I feel like when I moved to New York, she had just done that piece at MoMA where she was like, you know, sitting and people yeah, could living like there twenty four seven. Yeah, yeah, that was like happening like right when I moved to New York, and um, yeah, that was an exciting time. It and... was, yeah, like just like <laughs> in the world in general, like people. It seemed like people who weren't really interested in art before suddenly all these people were really interested in art. Yeah. Um, it's the kind of thing that makes big headlines and gets people talking about, is this, what is this? Is yeah. this art? Can we still call this? And, yeah. yeah. And like all of society looking at that and thinking about it. Um, were you, so when you moved from Savannah to Boston, what did you, how, how was that transition for you? It's a, so my family is, um, both sides of my family are from New England originally. My parents were both born in Boston and, um, they both have roots also in Maine. Um, and so one of the reasons why I didn't go to SCAD, for instance, because everybody asks me, <laughs> why didn't you go to SCAD? Right. Um, I was like, well, SCAD's going to be the same price as me moving to another city and going to art school um, because at the time, and I think this is still true, they don't really offer any kind of like scholarships. Hardly, other than, like, you getting financial aid, like, outside uh, of the school. They do. I don't know if it would be um, full scholarships, but yeah. I had, I had like, a, a third of it. A okay, scholarship. good, yeah. good. Um, I don't know, like, when I, when I was looking at SCAD, it seemed like it was, like, very minimal amounts, and I, I had um, fa- tons of family in Boston. Yeah. And so I have, like, a whole, like, support group there. Um, and I lived with a cousin for a little while, and um, so my parents were like, you should definitely, like, move to a city, but, like, maybe you're not ready to move, like, straight to New York. Right. Like, maybe go someplace where your aunties can come and rescue you if you need to. It's a good halfway <laughs> zone. And Boston is a really nice size. Also. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Boston's Boston's great. It's very walkable. Um, there is so much going on there. Yeah. Um, it's a very harsh environment. Uh, as far as like weather and also the people are pretty harsh, but, uh, those are also my people. Like I'm 
all my relatives are from New England, so yeah. I already knew that they have what that, like, going grouchy, into. bitchy attitude all the time. That's funny to go from, I mean, from, to have, like, your family where it's both Savannah and New England, which yeah. culturally, yeah, it's very, very different as far as how, like, welcoming and friendly and yeah. chatty you are. Um, but yeah. you liked that, that city. I, I, I did. Um, I had a really good time living there. Um, I still have some really great friends from, from school and, um, I I have no regrets. I still, I do not think I would move back to Boston, though. Okay. It's not my place. And did you, <laughs> I saw on your website, you had a while where you were a studio assistant to the artist Yunhee Min. Did yeah, Yunhee right? Min. Yunhee Min, okay. Um, Yunhee is a Korean artist who, um, she, she's one of these people who's, like, so incredibly brilliant that she has, like, multiple master's degrees and... Um, she moved to Boston from LA and, uh, she was going to the architecture school at Harvard for a master's. Um, and she, she's not like an architect. She's like conceptual architecture. Um, so it's like kind of art and theory and like, just like super, Super cerebral. Very, like, esoteric. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and so she was in school for that and also teaching at museum school. And so she was my painting okay. studio teacher. And um, she asked me to come help her um, with her projects for school, for her school. Um, so I started building architectural models for her. Oh, I actually wow. like did a lot of her paintings for her. She would leave me instructions for paintings and I would like make the paintings oh for her. Her paintings are like these huge kind of like color wash, color block kind of things yeah. that make me think very 1950s abstract expressionist. Definitely. Kind of thing. Yeah. She's got like, um, I want to say like Ellsworth Kelly yeah. is probably like one of her biggest influences and then Solowit. Um, and like Mark Rothko. Kinda. Definitely. Yeah. But then there's like this element of architecture to it too, because she is like, um, doing these like gel, um, like panels, like with color. And so when light comes through a window, it's like all about the color that it casts on the the ground and the the gallery or the the space. Oh, gels like those thin um, plastic things on theater lights. Right, okay. right, yeah. Um, yeah, so it sounds related to what you were looking at. Sort of. Anyway, yeah. You, you there's there's a thread backdrops. running through yeah. all of this. Yeah, definitely. So when you say that she would leave you instructions to do her paintings, what do you mean? <laughs> like like these paintings <laughs> that she had on show in LA, like you had painted those? Um, not quite those, but at the time I was doing, um, uh, she, she was doing these watercolor paintings where um, she had like a text that she wanted written across several pieces of paper and um so I mean it was very somewhat easy for me to execute the paintings for her because they were like very specific like yeah. measurements and whatever and she had like templates for the letters and so I would just like copy the text and write it out across these pieces of paper and then um she wanted the text to have color to it um there were these stencils for the letters. You okay. know those stencils where it's like, um, like if it's an O, the O can't be a, a total O in a stencil because otherwise, like the piece would just fall out in the middle. Yeah, it's got the little slices in it. So yeah, there's something connected. that has to hold in the middle. Of yeah, the o so it was those kinds it. of templates. Okay. Um, it has a very typewriter font look exactly. to it at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, or you see it on like garage sale signs and and things like that. Um, so it's like that sort of text, and then um, I would get watercolor, and the letters would be, um, they'd have this like gradient, so it would go from like green to yellow, oh, wow. and and then the whole thing would be a gradient, like going towards, you know, from yellow to blue. And, Interesting. Um, they were really beautiful and very, very, very specific. Yeah, she was very um, planned out. Yeah, yeah. What would you do if you made a mistake on her painting? <laughs> That's a start over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was like very careful with the stenciling. Um, and she had gone through quite a few studio assistants. Um, so I think I, I might've worked for her for a while. Hmm. Um, this was 
kind of hard to find people to like sit there and like execute this but I'm pretty good at like really tedious tasks yeah just like um, zoning out yeah I can do that no problem these days my practice is so different I actually have a practice whereas before I was just sort of like flailing and like trying all these different things and like trying to figure it out what was this when you Um, you were still in school or just post school this was while I was in school yeah yeah but I kept like I dropped out a few times and I never really finished (laughs) um I ended up just moving to New York instead of like finishing school oh yeah and um I'm like three quarters of the way through oh my gosh and I still think like is it worth going to school and getting a degree I don't know if it is for me like it is for (laughs) other people but yeah I don't know about me um (laughs) so at some point you it's like it's almost like Boston was your intermediate and then you graduated to like the big girl town yeah. and you went to New York. Yeah. We were there um, almost roughly the same years. It I was sounds there for, like yeah. it, yeah. Because you moved there in 2011, is that you right? Did. I was there from 2010 to 2017. That's so funny. And I lived in Bushwick, and I did have a few oh, friends cool. who were working as various, like, studio assistants to big artists, yeah. and they were kind of, they would always be in these industrial buildings, like, yeah. on the border between Queens and Brooklyn. Yeah. And it was very interesting just yeah, hearing Long you, Island City, that's yes, where everybody's exactly, studio where there was is. space. But hearing you talk about this, it's, it's funny, like... Before I lived in New York and had friends doing this, I was never really aware that this was a thing that big artists did where they hired young people to, like, execute this kind of real basic work, like, literally on their sculptures or paintings that were being displayed and that the average person, when you go to a museum and look at art, you're never imagining that just some, like, kid in Brooklyn painted parts of it. Exactly. I mean, working for Yanni was really my first time being like, wait, you want me to make your painting for you? Like, are you sure you want me to do this? And she was like... You know, kind of like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you kind of like, there's, I guess we all know that, you know, with the old masters that maybe they had like assistants who were painting parts of the bodies and then the totally. master painter came in and did like the hands and feet and the faces, I guess, yeah, like the really important yeah. parts. But it's funny to think in the modern day that also just because the stereotype of artists is that nobody has any money. So the idea that somebody is like, has so much better things to do and has the money to pay somebody to do part right. of their art is still kind of mind-blowing to me. Yeah. I mean, there are artists that, like, totally outsource their their work. Like, Hindi Wiley, his paintings are all made in China. And that's just, like, so crazy to me. That, is that like, part of the like, concept I, of his paintings? Not really. Okay. It's just, like, it's something that a lot of people don't talk about or even know about. And it's... Um, it's it's wild, but I mean, if you look at his paintings, they're huge. Right. Um, so there's a lot involved in that, um, and that's um, you know he's not the only one that does that. That's that's like a lot of people. Yeah. Like Chuck Close also probably, um, I mean, physically is not able to paint. Um, and yeah, these people who do these huge things yeah, are just as far yeah. as like covering the ground of all of the surface area or something. Yeah. Maybe you need just multiple people yeah. doing this. Yeah, do. And I guess people who do big sculptures, like, is it Jeff Koons? I think maybe part right. of a lot and of Jeff Koons is not or... in there with a welder, like making this stuff. <laughs> no, um, Jeff Koons probably doesn't touch any of those things himself. He probably looks at them like, you know, at the foundry or whatever yeah. and like makes sure that it looks close to his vision, but yeah, he's not he's not in the spray booth like spray painting anything or like sculpting really. It's so <laughs> yeah, it's more at that level. It's like you're, like, the you know the creative director or something. Yeah. You're the designer. But then I you know it makes me think too about architecture and how like, an architect doesn't actually physically build anything. They're they're like yeah. drafting it and and figuring it out. And a lot of times they have to work hand in hand with engineers that actually like make sure that this thing is, you know, actually buildable. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I yeah, when I learned that too that in architecture they're not like like there's still parts of the actual design part of a building that the architect isn't doing because it's just so specialized it's and so much to learn so, so, so yeah you also need the engineer to make sure that yeah it's, that not it's falling safe. down <laughs> yeah um so then when you kind of like look at that well like is an architect really an architect if they're not building anything well yeah of course they are um and I think that way about art too I'm like Jeff Koons is definitely an artist and his artwork is art um even though he's not making it himself <laughs> yeah, this is, it's, I mean, it's very interesting. It's really different discussions as far as... Uh, it's still his idea, and he just has the money to execute it. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. It just touches on also the more esoteric things like Marina Abramovic or how you, like she designs this performance and then she maybe has other people who are coming in and out and doing it too. Yeah. And it's just really different from the way I guess like your average thought about an artist is like, yo, you just sit down and, at a painting and you do your painting. You and, have to make your painting yeah, from like, start to finish. That's one aspect of it, but yeah. all these other things are also different ways of yeah. being an artist. And, like, a choreographer isn't doing every part of the ballet by themselves. Like, they're, yeah. like, you know, they're the the instructor, they're the creative vision, and then, like, the ballet is the, the show. I always wondered about for choreographers, because they usually are, like, they've aged out of being the ballerina themselves. Mm-hmm. So when they're trying to instruct the dancers what to do, are they able to physically do it and demonstrate it to them? Or do they have to just describe it in words? I think maybe I've always they get wondered studio about studio assistants that are younger and helping you know? them. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe they have an idea in their head of how they want this um, move to be executed, but maybe they themselves can't even physically yeah. do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wild. Well, this is a good, we're going to take, um, it's a good time for a little station break. We're going to take a moment. And again, I am with Farron Riley, local artist, and we will be back. You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. Trees are one of Chatham County's most treasured natural resources. Beyond their beauty and cultural significance, The impact of trees are far-reaching and compounding, spanning from economic benefits to health improvements to climate change resilience. Trees are woven into every aspect of our lives. Savannah Tree Foundation protects and grows Chatham County's urban forest through tree planting, community engagement, and advocacy. More information is available at savannatree.org. This portion of WRUU's programming is brought to you by listeners and by Brighter Day Natural Foods. Brighter Day Natural Foods has been serving Savannah's healthy food and supplement needs since 1978. It is located at the corner of Bull Street and Park Avenue. They have online ordering and curbside delivery available. And now a walk-up window for smoothies, juices, and sandwiches from the deli. They are open from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Sunday. More information can be found at brighterdayfoods.com. What does it mean when we say that WRUU is a community radio station? It doesn't just mean that we invite the community to create programming. And it doesn't just mean that we're a voice for the community. It also means that we're counting on the community to keep us going. And you are the community. Almost all of our modest budget comes from small annual or monthly donations from listeners like you. You get to enjoy our community-focused programming because many others have stepped forward to do their part. Now do your part by joining our community of listener donors. Go to WRUU.org right now and make a one-time or monthly donation. And thank you for supporting Savannah's community radio station, 107.5 FM. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Arts on the Air. I'm Tamara Garvey and I'm here with Farron Riley. Welcome back, Farron. Hi, thanks so much for having me. We're so excited to have you. <laughs> and we're in your Sulphur Studio space. And I think when we went to the break, we were talking about just as you'd moved to New York and it was 2011 and you were post-college. Um, what were you, did you have a day job while you lived there? What were you up to? I did. I actually had the same job the whole time I lived in New York with a little bit of like a four-month break at in the middle. Um... I worked for a jewelry store, and um, one of the other things I did, like while I was in in Boston in college, was I apprenticed with a jeweler because um, I thought maybe I was interested in jewelry too. Um, and so I ended up getting a job as a salesperson at this sort of uh, cult favorite jewelry store in Brooklyn called the Clay Pot, which was in Park Slope, and um, I worked there for almost 10 years. Wow. Um, yeah. And so you, you did become a real gemstone official. I did. Yeah. I did. I, um, I've always been interested in rocks and I am also a bit of a magpie. So <laughs> I just like little shiny things. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I understood like how jewelry was made and I had worked sales jobs like in college, like I worked at anthropology and, so I understood like retail and and that sort of thing, um, that that lifestyle. <laughs> was that hard? I mean, um, a lot of artists are pretty introverted. So how how hard was it for you to 
to get to work full time and talking you know, to people and selling. Going back to my high school days and doing theater, I think um, as much as I hated acting, <laughs> um, I really like. I thought for a minute maybe I should like be an actor. Maybe I should try that route. Um, I was in a bunch of plays. I got cast in some pretty big roles. Um, I really think that that had a really big impact on the way that I speak and my ability to talk to strangers. Um, I think it helped build a lot of confidence. And um, and then working, I worked at anthropology in Boston, like from my first year of college. Uh, and that store is like one of the busiest stores in the country okay. um, for that that chain. Um, so I really like had to be on my toes like all the time. Um, and then moving to New York, it was just like the store is like a tiny little retail shop. Yeah. Like a little jewelry box um, with some some pretty intense clientele um, and like. I sold engagement rings and wedding bands, so I would, like, be with somebody for a long time because it's a really big decision. Yeah, and wealthy New Yorkers are can be really intense. Yeah, yeah. intense for, yeah, lack of a better word. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, especially, like, old-school Brooklyn people. Um, it was just, like, a different world. I, it, I watched a lot of Seinfeld growing up, and I definitely have... Uh, I think that kind of shaped my sense of humor a little bit too. Yeah. Um, I think it helped a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I loved working there. I really did. And I, I feel really lucky that I worked there, even though I think, you know, having this full-time job, it was a full-time job. Yeah. Um, I didn't make art hardly as much as I should or, or could have um, if I did something else. But um, I think the job really taught me a lot about people. And um, having that, like, really intimate interaction with somebody where they're making this huge emotional decision and also financial decision mm-hmm. um, is a really interesting experience. And I think I learned a lot about relationships, um, romantic relationships, and also, like, family, interpersonal yeah. relationships, and then how people interact with, like, service workers and yes. and that sort of thing, because um, I definitely had some experiences that were enlightening to me. <laughs> yeah, it's like a certain class of person when you are the salesperson and you're yeah. selling, like, a very expensive item. It's yeah. like the people you're working with are very, very different from you. Yeah, totally. Um, so I got an education in gemstones and diamonds and, um, and at one point I became the manager of the store and, um, I just kind of worked my way up through it and then the pandemic hit and that ended that I, I ended up moving back down here, but that was, that was 10 years that I, I did. It's interesting how you said that you weren't doing a lot of art while you're there. Because when I first moved to New York, I worked full time too, and yeah, yeah so I had like probably the first couple of years where I was really not doing art, just because it's so busy and tiring just to like live in New York and live oh your life God. and get to know it, and then working full time. Yeah. And I really, I woke up one day and was like, "What am I doing? I moved here to try to launch my art career, and I'm not doing anything." Exactly. And, yeah, I was doing that commute, like where I would have to get to the Lower East Side of New York from Bed Stuy. And that would take me up to an hour. Yeah. And so then that's two hours out of your day. And you got to go home and you got to cook dinner. And yeah. then it's like, well, I'm tired now. And you had to <laughs> carry your groceries home on the subway too. Oh Everything is really tiring. Do you have the, um, I, ha- I, this is another thing that I'm like constantly reminding myself. I have this like trauma of uh, like whenever I go grocery shopping I'm always thinking about how much I can carry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even though I have a car now. Yeah, yeah. There's and, a like, cart it doesn't matter. And a car. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm still, like, when I'm unloading my car, I could do multiple trips, no problem. But I have to get everything in one go. Yeah. <laughs> I have to. If I don't, it's like the world is going to end. <laughs> I have a thing. I think maybe for the rest of my life, maybe I'll never be able to do this. I never get a buggy when I go to the grocery store. I get a basket. Yes, always a basket. I carry it because I spent year yeah like you're trained to like you have to be able to carry the stuff home so you sh- 
you can only buy what you can carry around the grocery store. <laughs> so I still only get a basket at yep. a time. <laughs> yep. Um, that's so funny. So yeah, I'd seen on your website. So when you moved to Savannah it was 2020 and I was going to ask you whether it was just like dumb luck that you'd arrived here before COVID or where, whether you had come because of COVID. Cause it was actually St. Patrick's day that I left New York. Um, the store had closed, uh, about a week before and, um, my boss was like, I don't know if we're going to be able to open back up. We don't know how long this is going to be. I'm just going to go ahead and lay everyone off so you guys can collect unemployment, which was a godsend. Um, and then my dad called me crying and was like, you need to come home. Um, and then my boss called me crying and she was like, you need to go home. Uh. <laughs> um, so I rented a car and I drove down here. I was really scared to get on a plane. Yeah. Um, you were just by yourself at that time. Yeah, I was by myself. Um, I had just gone through a pretty gnarly breakup and um, I was actually alone for the first time in my adulthood. Um, I'd been with the same person for about 15 years. Wow. And uh, we moved to New York together. And uh, we had broken up in January of 2020. And so I really had like two weeks of living totally alone, no roommates. Um, and uh, everyone was really worried about me being alone, alone. Um, so I was really looking forward to it. And, and then that just got like pulled wow. right out from under me. Um, so when you came back to Savannah, then I guess at some point you like gradually got back into actually making your art while you're here. I did. And what's weird is like the last couple of years that I lived in New York, I had started making more and more and more. Um, I was taking some drawing classes at um, the National Arts. Uh, wait, am I saying that right? Um, National Arts Club. Okay. NAC. Um, it's in Gramercy and it's like this really old old, old school, like old New York institution. Um, like in a brownstone kind of thing. Yes. Yes. And it's like, you could live there, but it's also like a club like wow. where there was like a restaurant and a bar and, um, and then all these classes, like the national pastel club is based out of there. And, um, it's, uh, it's one of these, you know, private clubs where you, um, you know, if you go to like a party there, you have to wear like a dinner jacket, that kind of thing. Um, and I always thought like, oh, this is like a very misogynistic like place to be. But apparently like from day one, they always allowed women to be there oh, and like nice. treated them as equals. Was it from like the 1800s? Um, yeah. This place? Yeah. It's been around forever. Okay. And um, we talked a minute at the break where you said, and this, I'm sure this is just a thing unless you're crazy wealthy in New York, but you <laughs> don't have a lot of space. So then you started working small. So you sought out this place to take drawing classes yeah. and you imagine just working on some smaller pieces. Yes. Yeah, and so, like, I, I was able to take classes there. It's kind of like an invitation thing, like someone, you know, invites you to, to come into it. Um, I never became an actual club member because it's, like, you know, thousands of dollars a year to, to pay dues to it or whatever. But um, it just helped me kickstart my my interest in drawing again. And so then I started working on things at home, and I got this drafting table, um I kind of invested in that and like carved out a little nook in my tiny, you know, 300 square foot yeah. studio. <laughs> um, and I, I started drawing like crazy and I was actually getting up really early in the morning before going to work. I would get up at like six oh. and draw for you a couple of hours and That's then I would go to work. Practice. I am not a morning person. I don't know how I was able to do it, but yeah. it, but I felt like that was the only way I could do it. Like after work, time. you're just too tired. You just wouldn't have done too it. Tired. I'd be so drained. Like working with the public can be very, very draining. And some days I'd be energized after work and I could do some, but oftentimes if you get stuck with a crazy customer, it just like really takes it out. Of yeah. You. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we're sensitive. So yeah. Yeah. I'm you're... a sponge too. I'm like a total energy sponge. Like whoever's around me, if people are like really, you know, excited and whatever, I pick up on that. But if people are like focused and, and down and, and just being difficult, it's like, oh my God. Yeah. I, I take that in. Like, yeah. Your work. Um, so on looking on your website, the, there's like a section where I guess it's, you know, the kind of the older, like 2018 issue mm -hmm, work. Mm -hmm. And so what you're describing, I guess this is, must've been the era where you're making these, these 
pieces that I've seen you display at Sulphur Studios before that I always loved. And I think if I have like old photos on my phone that I've taken, of, <laughs> you have this zebra piece. Oh, yeah. The zebra. And then the background is like birch yeah. trees and they're abstracted. And then yeah. another one of a girl who's laying down and it's yes. in this like rocky moonscape looking thing. Yes. And I've taken photos of these pieces before. They were so beautiful and they look like, so they're ink on Yupo paper and they're pretty big, right? Yeah. The, the zebras, um, that is Yupo, which is a, it's a plastic paper, um, that has a little bit of tooth to it. Um, that's a, I think 18 by 24 inches. So yeah. like a good size for drawing that's yeah. like on paper. It's kind yeah. of sizable. Um, and like the, Madeline drawing that one is probably actually a similar size um I had it framed really big so yeah. it had a lot of space around it so it made it look bigger than it actually is um but it's probably like 14 by 20 or something like that so this yeah. style these materials that you were using during this class how did you like is there a concept behind all this that was kind of tying them in together or um, what were you thinking at that time I think that I Going back to <laughs> when I was working with the architect, I really like tedious tasks and I love really fine textures of mosses. And um, I was really like trying to make these like feathery textured things um, and just kind of experimenting with like mark making. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a very process driven person. I don't have an image in my head of what something is going to look like as a completed piece. I am like totally winging it the whole time. Um, and so all of these things, I have kind of a vague idea of what I want to do, but I really don't know what it's going to look like until it's done. They are really, when you um, zoom in closely, that it's tiny, tiny. It's like this mm -hmm. old school pen and ink thing with little hatchings yeah. and little details. And yeah. like you said, the girl who's reclining, when you look closely, it does, it looks it's like moss and lichen and it looks very luscious and it, yeah. they, your environments are like a mixture of looking realistic, but also kind of looking outer spacey yeah. and imaginative. Yeah. How do you, um, so if you're not really planning things from the beginning, the aspects of them that are very um, realistic, like mm -hmm. this drawing of the girl or the drawing of the zebras, do you enjoy like this realism kind of drawing too? Yeah. I, so that, that piece in particular is um, that's a real person and that was a, I was doing a portrait drawing class at the National Arts Club. And um, that woman is, her name is Madeline. She is a like, I think she's four foot 10. Um, and she's a model, um, like figure model across New York. I see her face and her body like in so many artists that oh. like New York artists because people use her a lot. Um, like the different art schools. Yeah. Yeah. She does the, all the different schools and there, there are a few artists that I follow that like, I'm like, Oh, that's Madeline. You, you know, Madeline too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but yeah, she, she posed for me a couple of times and, um, I just really love how she's like a living doll and she actually like in real life dresses like a doll. Yeah, it's very um, Alice in Wonderland looking. It is, for sure. And it's it's very strange because she is an adult woman who is just very tiny and, like, leans into her tininess. Yeah, I, I thought this was a child um, that you had drawn. Yeah, no, she is <laughs> probably the same age as me. She's probably, like, mid-30s and maybe a little younger, but... No, I want there um, to be an exhibition <laughs> uh, that's literally just every artist, like, yeah. all these different types of work of this one woman. I yeah. think it would be a really funny exhibition. There's an episode of the 99% Invisible podcast where they talk about this woman who was um a figure model like in New York in the early 1900s and how she was like if you look at um sculptures like around New York like public sculptures and stuff you start to see her oh, everywhere yeah. because everyone was using this woman as a figure model probably weren't a lot of people and, willing to pose right right it was kind of scandalous um but yeah Madeline like I think she's the modern day whoever I can't oh remember gosh. the woman's name she's everyone's but, muse yeah that yeah. is so funny I'd never heard of her yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and then the zebra did you like uh do you do you like kind of the the juxtaposition of some element that's like really realistic and then with the background is kind of abstracted Definitely. and wild and you can go off yeah like these two aspects together I, I don't tend to draw from life usually um but Madeline was a special case because that was like I was actually going to portrait 
drawing class and so I was I was really drawing from life um, with the zebras uh, I had gone to the zoo and I took a bunch of photos of some zebras and so then I was like kind of using those as reference but if you really look at that picture there's parts where the zebras are like really realistic but then as it goes into the background the stripes become more and more abstract and you can't tell like which Oh, yeah. It's less defined. Like the background and the foreground are... Yeah, and so I I love birch trees, and they're... Um, there's actually... My parents have this painting in their house of, like, a birchwood forest that has these, like, Native Americans riding horses, like, going through the birchwood. Mm. And it's like they're disappearing in and out of these really thin trees. Yeah. Um, and I just love that image so much. It's so beautiful. Um and so I was kind of like thinking about that painting that I grew up with and then um these zebras and like also zebras like do not live in birchwood forests so that's ridiculous um (laughs) but they also like yeah birches are usually white with black hatch marks and then zebras as well like these repeating patterns for them yeah it's really cool um, it's so funny to hear. I didn't know you were into birch trees, and a lot of my artwork is a birch tree forest. Yeah, it is actually. <laughs> we actually know. have like a lot of overlap. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, you have just to like switch subjects entirely. You have a little section on your site where you have some pet portraits. Yep. You, it looked like you around the same years you were getting into doing those too. Is that like yeah. an effort to start getting some commissioned like exactly? Work? Yeah. Pet portraits are sort of like what pays the bills around here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I I do pet portraits kind of on a case by case basis. Um, I need uh, I I don't work from photographs. Like I'm not gonna take one photograph that you give me and just like make a painting of that photograph. Mm. Um, what I need to make a pet portrait is like multiple photographs from different angles. And basically I get like a perception of like what the animal's personality is like. Um, I always try to get people to send me videos. Yeah. So then I can like really get actions. Yeah. And then I make a portrait based off of like what I think the dog's like personality. Yeah. Like an amalgamation. What is it? Is there some kind of aspect in your pet portraits that you think represents your style of painting like is there some they're all really different I think I've got um I work in a lot of different styles I can do things that are more cartoony and I can do things that are more realistic um and I kind of like playing with both of those things so um it really just depends on the personality of the animal what I think would be the most appropriate thing for them okay um because I've definitely done some like very regal looking like cat portraits with ornate like things in the background um and then I've done like some very silly like colorful um like paintings of dachshunds and, okay well, yeah basic it's really kind of runs yeah. the gamut yeah and you have a few um commissioned works it looks like you did some kind of repeat pattern drawings of gemstones and uh-huh. aspects of jewelry and things yeah Is that stuff you got through your day job yes definitely I started drawing jewelry just kind of like while I was at work in between clients um just kind of for fun and I was drawing them on post-it notes and I could tell my boss was like getting really annoyed with me because I was like just drawing and drawing and drawing but then um some of the designers that we carried at the store saw my drawings and actually hired me to do like promotional material oh for them it's a dream. Um, so, so yeah. And now that's kind of like one of my freelance, like part-time gigs is designing jewelry and also doing like little drawings for jewelry designers that I know that, yeah. that like kind of cute little drawings to add into their promotional materials and whatever. Well, it's funny because you, I mean, a lot of your pieces now are landscapes and they are of the natural world, but you don't really draw, you don't really incorporate a lot of rocks or gemstones into your not so much um however this uh the last show that I did and I'll have to send you photos because I um you didn't come to my curiosities show that was that just wrapped up a couple weeks ago I don't think I came Um, I'm sorry uh so that it was at ology gallery and that's a new space on Bonaventure over by Claire and co um I did a whole series of paintings based off of rocks. Okay. Um, and so, like, all these things kind of, like, ended up getting, like, tied in together. Um, and I had the show professionally photographed, um, so... 
So you guys have great photos. I got some really good photos, and I'll walk you through it okay. when I when I can, probably next week. Um, where Where is this gallery? Can you describe for people? Oh yeah, it's um it's four fifteen Bonaventure Road. Um, so if you're going down Bonaventure, the kayak place is across the street. It's in the same building as like the old Savannah Tours. Oh okay, um, and it's very close to Bonaventure Bonaventure Cemetery. How cool is this? A new um, gallery. It's new. Okay. And on the back of that building. Um, you drive around back through a parking lot, a gravel parking lot. Um, there's Claire and Co, which is a ceramic studio and Claire of Claire and Co took over the other side of the building and is, has opened this really awesome art gallery. Uh, it's a new space. I was the, technically the second show in there, the sip show, the ceramic cup show was there. Um, that was the very first show in that space. Um, very cool. so, So, yeah. Um, and you're, so we can, we're kind of getting up to current day, but your pieces now are, um, you have one piece that's bigger, but it looks like a lot of your work, you have this particular size. They're like seven by 10, which is very specific, but you do these, um, you talk about on your website, how you do these, your night sketches and you take these walks and then you, I guess you're drawing them later, right? From memory. And it's a mixture of, they look like real marshes, but also they look like sci-fi scenes that are imaginative and they're very like you like this toned paper they're very dark and then there's little bits that are popped out with I guess like the white colored pencil yeah I um I really love coral and underwater scenery Mm. um and that was something that I used to draw when I was a kid all the time I drew lots of mermaids and lots of like seascapes um so I still am so drawn to that and um I just love, like, the way light plays on things, like, at nighttime, so I'm, like, I go on these walks, and I look at, like, the moonlight, and streetlights, and shadows, and that sort of thing, and then I start to think that about, like, in an imaginary world, like, all these things kind of coming together, so there's a lot of, like, very corally looking, textured things, and then yeah. also, um, like the driftwood beach on Wausau or Little yeah, Tybee. Yeah, Jekyll Island. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so are these, they're not, um, in each of your pieces, it's not a specific scene that you saw. Not, it's an amalgamation. Yeah, it's definitely an amalgamation. Um, I spend a lot of time in Maine, um, in coastal Maine, um, and so there's there's a lot of, like, kind of memories from that, too. Um, these, like, ripples on water and, like, things that are like maybe submerged or maybe not it's kind of like kind of hard to tell tide pools that sort of thing do you take photos when you're out walking or I do just, okay. yeah I mean it's it's always difficult to photograph or to capture something that's really like particularly interesting to me um but the camera technology has gotten a little bit better so yeah yeah <laughs> and we talked a little bit about the break so your family it's interesting like you're in Savannah but then you also have uh this island off the coast of Maine that you can go to yes so these two really opposite types of topography and different types of trees definitely in each like in a painting are you kind of merging these two different worlds together yeah I I mean obviously palm palmettos are like a big theme in my work um but then also these like really beautiful like conifer kind of um like evergreen trees um and then uh in Maine the coastline is just covered in rosehip bushes okay um and so I love they're so beautiful to me and I definitely like work those into a lot of stuff that I do and are are birch trees in Maine or is that more like birch trees are like Michigan I want to say well I've definitely seen them in New England I think like Vermont New Hampshire Massachusetts like in there but where I'm from, or where my family's from in Maine, um, there aren't as many birch okay. trees. It's more the, the conifer, the pine trees. Yeah. I love yeah. the idea of, in one particular piece, just having these mashups of, like, these two really completely different types of uh, foliage together. Yeah. It's really fun to think about. Yeah. Yeah. It's really all about the texture and, like, what is satisfying for me to actually draw. Um, I think that's the thing that drives me the most. It's, like you know, the viewer can, like, piece together whatever story they, they want to make about it, um, but, uh, I am, like, a very process-driven person, and so I'm, like, 
I just love drawing the pine needles and the coral and the yeah. the driftwood and um and then doing these like ripples of water and and that kind of thing. So it, it's just like a satisfying meditative. Yeah. Art, I think art is very, very similar, where from yeah. far away, maybe it just looks like abstracted, like a pattern of color. And then when people get closely, they see how many There's details so there detail are in there. In there. Yeah. yeah. And I, I really like, um, I do a lot of birch trees and I like the way that yeah. the pen and ink is to do birch trees. And you like your colored pencils and you like doing these little tendrils of plants. Yeah. Yeah. It's so yeah. fun. I think we should collaborate. I think so game. too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love too, like, because your pieces they have a lot more color in them and yours are really like light and bright. And there's a lot of like, almost like it's not quite negative space, but it's like brightness. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think the two things would like work really well together. Some of mine, like it's not a real, it's not a real depiction of space. Yeah. It's not a realistic background or a realistic sky that would ever happen or anything. Yeah. I would love that. Um, let me think. How did you, the size that you do, the 7 by 10, is there a significance to that? Honestly, I just had this pad of paper that was 7 by 10. Okay. And <laughs> I don't know. I have never seen that size anywhere. Right. And I kind of, like, regret working on it initially because it's not like I can just go out and buy, like, pre-made mats for that. Yeah, I have it's to not get a them, like, custom cut. Yeah. Um, so I... In the future, when I start a new body of work, I really think about, like, is this going to be easy for me to frame? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> this is really a pain for me to get That's framed. really the thing. Yeah, everybody <laughs> I talk to who works on paper, is it's a real thing to think about yeah. how to finish your work at the end and not bankrupt yourself doing it. Exactly. <laughs> I'm working on some, some actual painting paintings now. Um, I've got... Uh, I started uh, doing some drawings and paintings of laundry lines. Oh, um, it's very so, different. Like really beautiful gardens with laundry line in them. Um, that's just like a very nostalgic image for a lot of people. Um, and then I'm also I collect a lot of rocks like while I'm in Maine, and I've been seeing these images in them um Mm. and so I'm like making paintings based off of the images that I see in the rocks like little landscapes or even like figures that's so funny because people think about looking at clouds and seeing images but it's very similar never think about looking at a rock and seeing something but that totally makes sense yeah yeah um so that was what my my latest show was um a lot of like rocks that I found that have figures in them and I had the the rocks displayed on pedestals and then I had the the paintings on the wall and your laundry line where you talk about the nostalgia I thought back to where in school where you did that project of like the old-timey diner yeah so you have this aspect to you as well yep I love this yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess then you can start to work bigger too, which can be fun. Exactly. And yeah. now I have the space to work bigger, yeah. and I can really like go as big as I want to. Um, and I I love painting a big painting. Um, so yeah, I mean, moving back to Savannah honestly is like the best thing that ever happened to me. Wow, it's amazing. <laughs> a lot of your work when I look at it, I think like that movie directors could be using it as like their process drawings for like uh-huh. getting ready for shooting basically like it looks like the movie dune or something oh yeah i feel like sci-fi movie yeah. directors could be using it yeah um well if anyone out there is interested in that please call me yeah Erin <laughs> is available for a big time movie job i'm happy to do that <laughs> amazing well this has been such a pleasure talking to you your work is so fascinating is there um kind of anything you want to Leo's at the end, or I love um, your words about Savannah. It's very beautiful. I love that that's the best thing that's happened for your yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. I just um, Savannah is such an awesome place, and I I'm so I I didn't really appreciate it as much when I was a kid, but I definitely do now. Um, and one thing that I think is really important to say is that um, there's an awesome community of artists here who are so supportive of each other. And I never felt that sense of community in New York. Um, and I think it's just because people are too busy, too preoccupied, yes. too competitive. It's very too, competitive. Um, too paranoid, too whatever. Um, and here, it seems like, even though it is a small town, people aren't as com- competitive. They're, yeah. they're more, um, your success is my success. 
Well, thank you for it. It was so nice yeah. to finally, I'd seen you around and I'd seen your art and <laughs> taken photos of your art before. So it's really nice to finally sit down and meet you. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Been lovely. And I'm looking forward to getting to know you better. Thank you. <laughs> Have a great trip. Thank you. Next up on WRUU, that old Savannah magic from 4 to 6 p.m. It's a variety show featuring Savannah history, radio theater, interviews, and music. You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul.